Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Kev's Perspective. I'm your host, Kev Lowe, and today we have another phenomenal guest coming in. He's a local from Columbia Heights, Minnesota. His name is Pharaoh, a.k.a. Love of Pharaoh. He reps his brand Soda Gang, which stands for Going After New Goals. Pharaoh looks to inspire those who are anxious about following their dreams, and he says setting goals for yourself is the key to a better life. Please welcome my brother, Pharaoh. Cheer. Pharaoh, how are we doing, What's my up, guy? Man? I'm doing wonderful, man. How are you? Fantastic, man. Fantastic. We were just chit-chatting about how life's changed a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. The, the older you get, it seems uh, you start to break some of the rules you said you wouldn't break in yeah. your younger self. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. First, quick, quick question I have for you. What inspired you to start doing the podcast? The podcast? Yeah, man. Um, What inspired me was like... Honestly, like me and you, we've we've been in the scene for a while now in different wearing different hats. Like that's why I wanted you on too, is because you've worn the hat of like an owner of a company and like brand, you're right. And like yeah. you're an artist and like people like to know like what's going on, right? Like I'm sure people have asked you, like, what's inspired you to start soda gang and stuff. So yeah. it was what's inspired me to start the podcast was to have these conversations that we have behind the scenes that people don't get to hear about. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was I wanted to do and like as you know, I worked with Miles in a, in a like an artist empowerment firm. I've worked with, you know, like as a now or now like slash tour manager and promoter. I've done like being an artist. So I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to talk about it. Nice. Yeah, it's good for the people, man, because, um, you know, everybody I feel like deserves to learn as much as possible about uh, this industry and um, how many different ways there are to uh, empower artists, empower yourself and like make your career go forward. Yeah, absolutely. No, 100%. And just for just so people know, I'm going to I'm going to clear the air on this. Pharaoh, those who don't know who Pharaoh is, I've known Pharaoh for a while uh, from like mutual friends and shows we've done back since like 2014. Um, We've been on the same bill and didn't know it. I came across flyers from years ago of like me and you on the same bill. didn't even know each other back then. Um, But I believe the last time me and Pharaoh shared the stage was on Kitty Cat Club uh, in Dinkytown, Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was. And it seems like for quite forever ago, honestly. I think it was like 2014 or 2016, somewhere in there. It was at least four to six years ago. Um, yeah. And ever since then, Pharaoh's been like a force to reckon with in the music scene for a long time. And I've, I've, I believe that regardless of what people have said. Um, and honestly, like I've, I've, me and Pharaoh have done different types of business together too. Like I know we worked a little bit together when I was with Miles, and then we've mm-hmm. also like last minute I I call Pharaoh once and I was like, hey, I need you to headline something for me. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So wore different many different hats, but I wanted to start with kind of you know before Pharaoh, who is Josiah, which is yourself, right? Um, you went to school at McNally Smith before the shutdown. I wanted to ask. That was my first question. I know that that impacted you in a big, big way. Yeah, it, uh, I guess, kind of left a lot of us without a whole lot of options. Um, but as you know, when you work in this type of industry, and especially when you're chasing your dreams, you have to um, go forward with the mindset that um, just things are not going to go well all the time, and you have to find different ways to push forward. And so, um, you know, I granted, I was extremely, extremely close to getting my bachelor's. Um, I, w- I ended up being able to get it, which is cool, but mostly what, you know, a lot of us wanted was access to the studios. Right. So, you know, we had... 12 full-size facilities you're supposed to get access to free whenever you want. And, um, you know, when that closed, a lot of people lost out on that. Um, it was kind of a center for everybody to create 
uh, a lot of people from all over the world, really. And um, it's a big lesson. And, you know, uh, sometimes things are out of your control because it ended up just being the top two guys um, all the way, all the way up there that um, somehow fumbled the ball. And as a result, uh, teachers, staff, students, everybody mm-hmm. at the same time kind of found out that their uh, their whole lives were going to be altered and I, I I've heard many different perspectives because I know you and Miles, but then also there's a guy I think it was he was an advisor there. His name's Kyle, I think the hunt. Um, Kyle, mm-hmm. Kyle actually I worked with that at Apple um, and he kind of explained to me how he screwed his whole career. And he's an older, oh, wow. older gentleman. Like he was like, I was literally an advisor. I thought I was going to do that for the foreseeable future. And then now he had to come to Apple because he was like, and that's kind of crazy to me, right? You are yeah. an advisor for a very, at the time, pronounced good music school. Like very, mm-hmm. everyone knew about McNally Smith. And then at that point, like he was like, okay, well, my job's gone one day. Like he knew as much as the students, which I think is messed yeah. up because he's the one advising the students. So he couldn't even advise anybody to like be ready. So you're right. Everyone just kind of got hit with a left hook. It was like, yeah, deal with it. And no paycheck, no paycheck for the staff either is the, is the craziest part. It, it was the three weeks that they had already worked leading up to the holidays. And they were told <laughs> that they weren't getting their holiday paycheck uh, and being laid off, which is um, just absolutely crazy. You and know. I know I've talked to Kyle about how he's kind of adjusted in that like mindset of ambiguity. I wanted to yeah. ask, how did you adjust when that happened as a student? I know you said you got your bachelor's, but that wasn't the point. The point was to get that lifetime free access to studios to be mm-hmm. able to create. How did you adjust during that time period to keep making music? Um, the thing I noticed about life is um, when you deal with a situation like that, there's always an initial onset of fear and anxiety. Um, of not knowing what's going to happen next. And so you just kind of have to let that settle and um, start to clear head and and you can start to kind of see and figure out pathways. And so, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to let that type of situation stop you from having a studio, which I, I feel like a lot of people did, that's fine. But um, I had a great relationship with um, uh, Joseph Mabbitt, who was uh, one of the department heads for the production uh, unit at McNally. And he has the hideaway studio over Northeast. And mm-hmm. so um, he opened up uh, his doors to me and a couple of other engineers. And so now for the past few years, I've just been able to go there and um, it's where I do all of my recording, um, anything with clients. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge blessing for me. It's just, you know, finding new ways to be able to create. Cause honestly, the biggest thing is you just, when you're in that environment, you can create with a professional sound. And, um, I just wanted to be able to continue to, uh, elevate that and get better at mixing yeah. and stuff and, and didn't want to have to try to record some trash stuff at like home with my, uh, you know, $200 microphone. Right. And I, I know that those studios are like, beautiful i i've been in those yeah. studios multiple times not just through you but i knew an engineer out of there for years and like i i had to pay mad money to get in there but like it, it's beautiful and like that's the same studio i know a ton of minnesota legends have been in um and mm-hmm. it does create a very amazing vibe studio a is the studio that you use very often and studio a is like the one right as you walk into the right has it a beautiful booth that i love being mm-hmm. in as well um and that that's like i don't know the vibe i'm glad that you people like you and other engineers had somewhere to go to make quality music like you said music is tough because it can be you can push something out you know what i mean you definitely can just push something out but at the same time yeah. 
you don't want to do that. You're like, I want quality. I want to be able to like, I've always believed in quality over quantity, whether it be content on social media, whether it be in business, when it comes to like any kind of like presentation or whether it be again in audio. So Mm -hmm. I I very do much agree with that. Um, And how has that like working in that studio? I know you're like fueled, like that's really really fueled your fire recently to as well. I've seen, heard a lot of good music come out, come out of you before I even brought Thanks, you up, brought you on. Um, what recently has changed? Because you've been doing this for a long time. I mean, you've been yeah. doing this for a long, long time. And I'll be honest, there was obviously a point where you were like, just trying to like push out, push out music. I mean, dude, you've made yeah. so many tracks. Now, what's kind of changed your, your, uh, your feel of that fire? It's, um, it's, it's different. I, I look at going to the studio the way that um, you would look at like a Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant going to the basketball gym to practice, whether I feel like it, whether I'm tired, whether, you know, whatever the day calls for, like, there's never any excuse. I always have to be going in to create. So that's like one thing is I always have to have a habit, whether, you know, I, I'm super inspired and create something more. I go in there and I, you know, try to write for a little bit and then I end up leaving. It's super important that I'm always in that environment. And, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of times where I can make music and then listen back and feel that it's less personal. But, Mm -hmm. um, when, when I go through things in life, that's when I really find myself, um, best equipped to be in the studio and making records. Cause I do make a lot of records, but, um, it seems that whenever I go through things that I'm always pushing myself a little bit further to find new ways to, um, describe the things I feel or relate certain emotions to the listener. Yeah, no, I feel that. And I think one thing, one emotion you made very clear in your music is anxiety as well. Um, that's something that you battle quite a bit. And that's something that I know me and me and actually many others, you know, funny enough about my little, my anxiety was that I didn't think I had it. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't believe in it for years. Like, and I had a really bad anger problem not too long ago, three, four years ago. Um, and I think honestly, you've seen a glimpse of that. Right. Um, yeah. and when I had that, I went to the doctor cause I was like, this is not right. Like my, my emotions, my mental, I was under a lot of stress. I didn't know why I went to the doctor and they said, take this test. And I was like, Hey, I'll take a test. And they're like, you have clinically horrible anxiety off the charts. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I don't fear. And like, I, I had a whole different concept of anxiety. And they were like, no, like you are just high functioning. There's many different types. And so for me, I've had to find so many outlets. I had to quit smoking weed. I had to like go completely cold sober to get my anxiety under control. And I didn't think I had to change that drastically in my life. How do you, you, you communicate it, right? You communicate it through your music, which is one form of therapy. But how else do you battle that every day? Because it's not easy when you're a performer, an artist, engineer, business owner. No, it's not. It's it's an extremely difficult feeling. Um, and something that just, I, I discovered I had it around when I was 15 because um, a lot of people in my life were dying. And um, it just triggered a lot, a lot of my fears and stuff. And, um, you know, even at my age of 24, it's, it's still an extremely difficult thing to do. You know, mm. right now I'm in Colorado, um, you know, just hiked a mountain yesterday. All that stuff is because of my anxiety. It's because of the things I feel. Um, um, I'm, I always try to search for better ways to let things out because, um, you know, I would be lying if I said there's points in my life where, you know, the, the idea of, um, there's been points where the idea of suicide is enticing and yeah. um, those are not good thoughts. Those are not good thoughts. It's not good to live in a state of fear. 
And, um, you know, all I, I study very hard at um, trying to learn coping mechanisms. Um, recently, I've gotten into like progressive muscle relaxation and yoga. Um, so I'm trying to understand all these things about um, my body and all of the little steps that I can combine together to create my own personal type of um, medicine, which is anxiety, uh, exercise, yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to journal more. Um, and, um, you know, uh, 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 this, uh, I think it's called the step model, which is just basically like learning to interfere with my thoughts mm-hmm. before I let them get the best of my emotions. Um, and, and it's very, it's very, very difficult. I mean, um, at all times, man, uh, yeah. uh, even going to a show, it's always got to be like something I really prepare for, uh, e- throwing events and stuff, I would say is a big part of like, why I started Soda Gang was because, um, uh, because I, I get, I would get really anxious, you know, being a part of other people's stuff. I wouldn't really understand what was going on. Um, it was just something about other people, like having a lot of control over the situation. And I knew that if, okay, well, if I just, you know, do this with, um, um, if I, you know, plan this whole event and I know everything's going well, much easier for me to be in that type of environment. Cause it's like, I'm comfortable. I feel you know, safe with everything. So it's, um, it's a work in progress, man. Cause today, you know, I feel great. Two days ago, I didn't feel great, you know? So it's just a different day is a different feeling. Yeah, no, I agree, man. And like overall, I mean, my, everyone's coping mechanism is different, right? I mean, like for me, I have to literally take like two, I have to take a thousand milligrams of CBD for me to like literally chill out if I'm in the middle middle of something like oh, kind of like an kind of like an escape thing for me because like yeah uh, I, I don't know I had like the other day like, a lot of my shit's driving induced which is tough when you travel right? and it's, like you said when throwing events because I'll travel to Iowa next day I'll go back to Minnesota next day I go to Madison and like that's my common route is like I drive like four and a half hours one way and it sucks because I literally on average if I'm driving I get two or three driving induced panic attacks it's, it's horrible. And a lot of people don't know that about me. And it's like, and, and it, they think, oh, it's a, your job's so easy. You hop on a tour bus and you go. I, I don't go on a tour bus. I follow it in my car while eating gas station food, which is trash. And then like drinking tons of water and I'll bring as much CBD as possible for me to like chain smoke it or take it as much as I can to get through the night. But I love what I do because I think throwing a show, like you said, there's a different feeling about it. Um, there's there's something that when you bring that experience to somebody, um, you know, it and it touches their their hearts. And you remember the whole reason why I fell in love with music. One big part of it, at least, was because like I fell in love with shows. Um, and so I wanted to ask, like, for CLM on our side, we always have the patron in mind, front of mind, when it comes to the experience of the show. Um, you have created a lot of experiences with Soda Gang. Uh, I've been to a couple of them and you guys do a phenomenal job for, Thank again, you. with what you have. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's just a bunch of hard work, dedication and passion. And you can feel that in every event. And I wanted to ask, I know Soda Gang, you know, stands for going after new goals, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what started that, man? Cause I love that acronym. Yeah. I, um, it started when, um, I met my um old manager and mentor uh casey in 2015 and he had um this thing called soda party bus and um uh, around that day was just a couple of party buses and um this is when i kind of started to first do a couple of these shows and it was cool it was fun but he we ended up coming upon this mindset of just soda gang and then we figured out the acronym for it um but after that it became about three and a half years of 
promoting something that little to nobody really gave a shit about at all. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, um, just consistently repping it, pushing it, you know, and the soda game group chat that we had on Facebook was like, you know, just me and like, um, DJ North, me and case and always pushing it. And it just never really clicked. And then, um, I, I think I reached a point in my life where I had kind of figured out my, myself as an artist and, um, how to, um, navigate that well because uh, yeah. there was a lot of time I didn't really understand myself or understand what how I moved myself and then once I figured that out it was like soda gang it just clicked I met my guy Corey Mogren um Moogie and we just uh from there we started to take it up a notch um we started to throw um house parties and stuff before that we had done some of those small shows where we did um we did honey and then we did um we did the red sea those are a couple of the first shows I guess promoted by soda gang out in 2016 mm -hmm. but uh nothing compared to what we had envisioned and then once we started working with house parties um we just kind of started to get lucky with the whole word of mouth aspect um and uh we had like one first big house party um that absolutely filled up and then from there it kind of set uh, a rapport of us not throwing shitty events yeah and so then when we would start to promote different things, we were able to um, kind of capitalize on that. People were going to trust what we were going to do. Uh, we did another house party last December, and then we did the uh, beach parties this year. Um, and all that is just, you know, based on like literally, like we don't come into this with a bunch of money. We we come out of pocket every time. Mm -hmm. And we're always trying to think of, you know, the simplest way to at least make some money back, whether that's, you know, selling ice cold beverages or um, party packs and stuff like that. Uh, so we're always working on like that aspect. Um, it, I've never had luck getting in contact with venues and stuff. So we've always tried to make it more of a niche thing, whether we're renting out a studio, doing mm -hmm. the beach, finding an Airbnb, just to make something like that happen. And yeah. um, I like doing shows and stuff. And that's definitely something I want to get involved with with Soda Gang. Um, but we've just found a lot of fun in like throwing these types of of parties. And another thing was last year, I was able to uh, get Soda Gang involved in the Minneapolis public school system and develop a um, music creation and performance curriculum for middle schoolers. So went in and taught that with them, got them involved with Soda Gang as well. And um, just trying to spread it as much as possible, man. Um, that's crazy. Uh, and I know the next step. So I know that you're always about bigger and better things. You're, you're you're very much like a visionary. You have a lot of good ideas. I've I've seen it throughout. I mean, whether it be you have good ideas in your performances, in your music, you always take something up differently. You don't do the same thing every time. That's the definition of insanity, right? You don't do the yeah. same thing every single time. And so I want to know with your most recent development was Fest. And mm -hmm. when I heard it, I saw the promotion for it. I loved it. I know that my friend Allison was a big was it was a part of that same with Miles and Allison when she told me about it I was like shit like I heard about it through her and so she was very stoked about it um and then you know ultimately again people who don't know what Fest was for for Pharaoh he was gonna throw a goddamn festival which you pretty much went from zero to 100 on that um I'm yeah. um, in my brain you went from like you know, I went to a dope ass hideaway party. I've my boy Reed, uh, Daddy Fat Chop, shouts out. Um, he does a lot of he does a lot of work with you, and you saying those house parties were lit as fuck. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing this growth, and then all of a sudden, I see Aki Fest, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Please explain to me a little bit of what Aki Fest was gonna be. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, Aki Fest was going to be and will be next year now uh the game changer i i had uh 
essentially, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Kyle Rucker, and uh, he owns the largest black music publishing company in Minnesota. And he's been a great mentor, got me involved with the public schools. And that's how um, I've just been able to learn a lot in my field because of this man. And uh, he had called me up after seeing some of the photos of Beach Party. And he was like, hey, um, I got this spot in Wisconsin. You want to come out and look at it? It's like, cool. I didn't, you know, kind of goes in left brain. All right, we'll drive up. We went and drove up and then... um, he introduced us to this game farm and it was 7,000 acres. And uh, we, we, we pull up um, owners are over there. They're, you know, chilling. We're like, Oh my God, like this crap. I mean, it, it was insane how much space there was. And it was um, these guys weren't using it. So we sat down and Kyle was like, yeah, these guys, like they want to throw something here. Um, You know, everybody's worried about the pandemic, but saw what you do. I feel like you guys can do something. We're like, okay, you know, we'll throw a festival. Like, you know, we could try and get like 250 bees. Like, nah, let's do, like 3000 people. I'm like, then it just like something clicked in my head where I realized like, okay, if I, we're going to make this decision and go full force, we're going to go hard, hard as hard as possible. Um, so we began that tireless process of, I, I, we put McCory and I put everything, I mean, absolutely everything, all our brain power on money, everything into it. Um, first place, uh, we got miles involved, Allison involved, right. Developing an entire team of people to start working on stuff. We go out to that place, um, get drone footage. Everything's going great with the owners. Everything's going wonderful. Then boom, all of a sudden um, we get this voice note from them basically. And I, I, I don't even know where this came from, man. It, it was just, it was really messed up. They, they didn't even have the decency to um, call us or meet with us face to face. They sent us this voice note while Corey and I were in the middle of Wisconsin, um, mm-hmm. submitting an event permit to the city and getting all these local businesses to support and be a part of it. They sent a voice note basically saying they don't like that the urban culture is going to be involved um, and that they they feel like it's just become something they don't want to be a part of. And so they pulled out. Mm-hmm. So we're first, first big no, we're like shit, but we're, I think like seven weeks away from Aki and um, we're like, okay, that's fine. We're going to figure this out and no idea how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Work tirelessly for the next week to call and email as many places as possible. And lucky last moment, Corey got a hold of um, Apple River. So we go to Apple River, meet with the owners, um, suit it up, come back, uh, tour the place, come back 24 hours later with a business plan, laminated. Everything is looking great. We meet with the um, owners of the place. He's down. He's like, you know, we're not really doing much. We want this. We're like, great, man. Like, this is awesome. We need you to take care of this contract, buddy. You know what I'm saying? We just got screwed over by these last guys. Okay, I'm going to take care of it. Okay, cool. Doesn't get back to us for a little while. We're like, okay, well, now um, we're not hearing back. You know, Corey's on him. Finally gets hold of him. We need that. Yes, we need that green light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Get the contract contract to you tomorrow. Okay. Me and Corey then go up and see him again at apple river we get a bunch of questions answered um Mm -hmm. we start talking about all the package deals for camping and tubing and implementing all of these things right and then um uh we come back another day after i i um uh paid for um a model and video guy to fly up from iowa and we shoot commercials all day shoot commercials for the whole event everything's looking great at the at the this is at the like venue um and we're not so we're like you know we're thinking everything's going great and then all of a sudden we get a call back like three days later from this guy we had never met never talked to and i guess he ran a bunch of their stuff and was like called us with a cease and desist and was like like we had never i'd never heard anything from 
the owner about you guys throwing something where like, you know, like this guy has a contract, like he's had right. it for three weeks. We, we, we emailed it to him as well. Like we've been over there and he's like, yeah, you know, called the owner. The owner said he never got a contract from you guys and all this stuff. Like, and so at this point, it was just too many setbacks and we're not like run and we had just gotten like monster energy to sponsor all these things. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not an easy task to do something like this, a pandemic, because most people don't want to support, but we were finding a way and we really believed in the vision. And then um, just, there were so many setbacks at that point that we didn't want to keep like pushing for this thing. If we'd now had another issue with the venue um, and we, we were about to do pre-sale. So we didn't want to take anybody's money Um if we didn't have a venue locked in. So we realized right. that at that point, you know, the hard, but best um, option for us was to throw the event next year um, when we don't have a lot of these issues. Yeah, no, I feel that. And I, I'm just like hearing this story, kind of seeing some people in the mix, playing it out, being, being a business professional in general, you don't understand why, like you said, like the first off the primary owner who for sounds like it was an invitation to say, Hey, I didn't want yeah. something in my, in my area to be done, which I'm not surprised that someone would ask that because we're in a pandemic where businesses are struggling. So forms of revenue and making that up, especially in Wisconsin. I mean, what we had to do is the same thing. We went to Appleton, Wisconsin and threw a show and I'll be honest, COVID guidelines, none of it were followed. The venue yeah. didn't care in Wisconsin. They truly don't. They mm-hmm. they have no sense of like I we it's up to the patrons. And the patrons are there if there's the venue. A lot of the patrons trust the venue or they trust the people running it. And I had masks on, my whole team did. We had sanitizer bottles. Like it wasn't easy on our end to stay safe. So, like in that venue, just didn't care. And we threw the event. It is what it is. The artist was safe. Like everybody was safe, but the patrons and but the venue, which upsets me because then you get invited right to throw something in this space and they go oh yeah well you know we're pulling out because it sounds like a miscommunication of Mm -hmm. on both ends right i mean that's what Mm -hmm. it sounds like to me is that being a professional they wouldn't just be like i yeah no we're not going to do it now because we we woke up this morning and didn't want it to happen because you guys have planned this for months i mean it was Mm -hmm. the logo was there you went to their you went to the space a couple times you took marketing photos I mean, I was just watching this play out. It just didn't make any sense why that would just be like, oh, on a dime, they're done. It's like yeah. you, didn't, you didn't have a conversation. You couldn't just have a conversation with me. Yeah, it was real disrespectful. And, um, you know, it, it hurt because it was like, OK, all these like older guys, these older business owners just look at us, a bunch of like ambitious, younger people and um, think that they can just walk all over us. But sure. in reality, we were at all points. Um, being more responsive in timely manners than any of these people. We were pulling out contracts. I mean, that were really nice and really detailed within 24 hour periods. We're having zoom conversations every night with each other to make sure this stuff is done. Like you said, we hired the graphic designer on for it. You know, we were, we were uh, uh, working with artists. We had artists locked in. We had all these different things um, playing into it. We made the website, we made the COVID action plan. Um, and none of this stuff just appears out of nowhere. This doesn't, right. this doesn't happen, you know, overnight. This happens because of me and like two, three other people that are working super hard to create all this out of nothing. And so, you know, to get that level of disrespect from some of these places, 
it hurts, but like you said, man, it really makes you understand. It's just business. And um, it makes you, you got to be a little bit more hard-headed. And it, 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 that was my learning experience. A, never, ever, ever going to make any type of announcement until I got a contract from a venue because yeah. um, I don't trust anybody. And number two, um, I've got to just be a little more um, stern uh, with my business. I've got to be a lot more business-minded in these scenarios because when I'm when I do try to approach it from ambition and these guys think they can walk all over me, I feel like shit afterwards. And so I would rather just come forward and be like, listen, man, I'm going to be this business guy and you know, we're going to get what we need to get done. But next year we will have it in Minnesota. Um, and, um, and we will make it bigger and better than, um, this year was going to be, but yeah, it was, that was a, it was a huge letdown for all of us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everyone involved. There's a big team involved. And again, everyone had some kind of part being played. And I'm glad there was a learning experience from it because, I mean, it's it's all you can do, right? I mean, what mm-hmm. else are you, you going to do? Um, you're going to sit there and be butthurt over the fact that it didn't work out this year? Nah, like you're going to keep going. You're going to keep doing these things. Um, and again, the universe always has a reasoning for doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, what I was really pissed off, to be honest, when I had shows lined up this year, um, and I mean, I literally did before COVID, I did about five shows in January and February. Okay. Um, think about that. The, the, there's eight weeks before two months and I did five shows. It's like I was going in and like, I was ready for this to be my year. Like I was like, I got this. I just got off two of my biggest inspiration in March was I told you about mod son before that I have a show of struggle Jennings before that I have a show of riffraff. I'm ready to go. And then it just stops. And what, what well, the whole point of that was like, you're planning to the same thing. You were ready to go. You were ready to take off. Then it stops. And so it's like that ambiguity is so hard to adjust to. And so I want to kind of like move past that. Cause yeah, Akifez will do that. Right. You're going to do that. And next year you said, um, and I know I wanted to actually ask this too, cause for the festival type, it is like when people think summer fest, I think many different genres. When I think mm-hmm. summer set, I think kind of country rock. When I think, you know, sound set, when that was a thing, I think hip hop, what kind of artists did you have lined up that you wanted to like, you were really excited for it? Yeah. Uh, uh, so we have some people like, um, Mr. Organic nerdy, um, the ukuleles, we had, a uh, uh, Julie Eddie, a country artist. Um, there were a lot of local acts that we wanted to give a voice to as well. A yeah. big thing with us that we felt like, um, sound set wasn't going on this year. Um, there are a lot of beefs that people had had within their, their whole thing. And, um, we don't, uh, you know, we don't really have that. And we have a good reputation for, um, just throwing, you know, events. And we're like here for just your experience, like come enjoy yourselves. You know, we're never going to try and get a little fucky on you, but, um, that was going to be multi-genre music festival. And it was going to, um, really encapsulate on bringing everybody together in a state where our world feels very divided, just mm-hmm. trying to bring people together with music. We also were going to have some like Ojibwe dancers come up and do some tribal stuff, you know, so all types of experiences. Um, later on the night, we we're going to have some of those bigger headliners for like hip hop and um, a country or rock act as well to like really go super hard. And I mean, these the, the states that we had had at Apple River was absolutely insane. So, you know, we were really prepared for some dope stuff. Um, um, but like you said, it's just, sometimes it's out of your control and Mm -hmm. um, we're just going to move that model forward to next year, um, and implement it 20 times harder. You know, the, the, the biggest thing that I'm learning is that as long as you are just doing something from like a good place in your heart, 
Yeah. And um, you keep that motivation. You do it for the people, no malicious intent. Um, you can really succeed. And you and it takes a lot of fear away because you know you're not trying to do anything shysty or slimy behind the scenes. Right. You're just working transparent for the people, hitting artists up. Yo, I want to give you an opportunity. Let you have this you know, um, uh, food trucks and stuff we were also going to have, but there are a lot of those guys, um, um, like monster energy stations and stuff as well. So it was going to be really, really awesome. It was going to be geared a little bit more towards like that woodsy feel. Yeah. Um, um, I wouldn't necessarily say electric forest, um, a little bit more of its own version of that. Right. right. But yeah. I, I mean, I get the vibe you were trying to you were trying to go for. It, you know what I mean? Because again, each festival has to be unique in their own way, um, and that, that that's that's really dope in general. That again, like something we've never even tried to venture into, man. I mean, we've we've ran big events like it's called a polo event where like polo sponsors and we've done stuff like that where it's like we go around and it's basically like a horse racing event and it's like a donation event, but it's nice because when we partner with someone else, they handle the donation side of it and the horse race and we just handle the operation side of it and run around on go-karts. Like the, I, I did the operations all day and that was like really tough. That was the toughest thing I ever had to do. I had to like be stationed in the sun for six hours because someone didn't show up just to do basic cash transactions. After I was mm-hmm. done with that and I shut that tent down, I then ran on a golf cart and go check out, oh, there's a bunch of old cars that want to come in to like hang out with, with a bunch of rich people that want to donate money mm-hmm. to them. All right, cool. Let's do that. So that, I mean, like that's one thing too that I know you'll experience when Fest does happen is that the amount of operations managers you'll need to be on their shit, that's when that business mindset's going to come in. You're going to be like, all right, like there's a fine line also between being an asshole and being a business person. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, if you got that good balance, it'll work out great. And I think that you and your team have that potential for sure. Um, and like, I don't see why you couldn't do it next year once this all clears up. Cause hopefully this yeah. clears up and life goes back to semi-normal and we can move forward. Health, different health guidelines will be in effect, et cetera. But I mean, it's it's still gonna be good because again, like that that mindset's what it takes to that operational mm-hmm. mindset. Because that's why I have you on here as well. I only bring people on this podcast that I believe are operators that actually, when they say they're gonna do something, have something you know to go and like I have like to to back it up with. Does that make sense? Like but a lot of people don't. That's Minnesota. I'm just serious, man. I've talked about it with Wiseman. I've talked about it with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. That's Minnesota. That's why people are skeptical here when they say, I'm going to do something and then yeah. it doesn't happen. That's why I wanted to ask you about Occupest because that's a classic Minnesota thing to do. But you're like, nah, like it was out of my fucking control. I didn't want to fuck people over, which is what people have different mindsets for. Like, you can agree. People fuck people over left and right, whether they be your friends or not. It's happened to me on a personal level. That's why yeah. I am where I'm at, though. And that's why you're at where you're at. Like, the only reason I'm in content promotion was because I was fucked over to get here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what it takes, man. And, you know, some people, uh, take those jabs to the face and they, um, they fall down. They don't want to get back up. You know, um, they want to talk I, I shit a, after too. Exactly. I have a good, I have a good friend of mine that, you know, had a huge dream of being like an MMA fighter and he did his first fight and he lost and never did it again. And, um, I'm always going to remember that. And I always bring it up to him and talk about, him. I'm disappointed in that because he had an extreme passion, man. And it's just, you got to keep, you got to keep getting back up, especially in this industry. This shit is cutthroat. It's very cutthroat. 
Um, and you, you have to be very strong in yourself and be willing to do a lot. When you say you're going to do something, you have to do it fast. You have to do it efficiently when you say you're and, and another thing too, is like, you have to understand when you're in a role, like you or I, when you're an operator, you have to understand that a lot of people are going to have that mindset where they're not going to do a lot of things. So in some situations, you're like having to hold people's hand, do most of the work for them, you know, so that they can just do it. Okay. You know, even when I'm doing the festival, getting people to, um, contact vendors and stuff, sponsors, like. I can't just trust them to just look everything up themselves. I, you know, I'm creating like a full spreadsheet name, phone number. All you have to do is look at the piece of paper and call. I even wrote out, you know, exactly what you're going to say. Cause it's like, you know, there's not, there's a lot less operators than I think a lot of people think a lot of people say things that sound good, but following it up with that action is really, really, really what is going to make people. I think what I also Sorry, man. Something, something just happened to the side of my house. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of talk about was um, when you say you have to hold people's hand, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a leadership style, in my opinion, that has never worked for me and it may work for some. But like I during a festival, too, I couldn't imagine trying to do that. Because like I you're gonna have to trust people to do their job, in my opinion, right? Like when I go to my mm-hmm. DJ. I don't, I've never had to hold his hand because he taught me some stuff. But I think I also taught him that, man, like you need to be able to like function and do your job in like in a, in a smart capacity. My boss first day said, go. I'm dead ass. Try having someone look at you and say, go run it. That's it. That's all I had to work Tough, with. Man. And pe- people look at me like and I, I, I want to address a couple things that I get really upset about. People think I fuck people over in the industry. Okay. A lot of people think I fuck over local artists. Never once in my day have I fucked over a local artist. They fucked over themselves, and I can explain that. And then two, never once have I sat here and failed because of myself. Like I, I haven't, I, I personally in this industry yet, a show hasn't failed because of something on our end. It's actually crazy how many external factors, like you said, you can't control. The the headliner calls me and says, "Hey, Kevin, I'm not going to come because it's too far of a drive. So too bad." And these people already have money. So instead of refunding everybody, I let everybody know who's a patron. Do you want to attend the show? I've replaced this person with Pharaoh. Are you okay with that? Every patient says they're okay. I call every local act. One local app dropped out of the four. Like, that's cool, man. If you want to drop, I'll give you your money back and you go do you. Like, I have no problem with it. But after our show that we did, man, like, it didn't, the turnout wasn't that great. And I'm, I'm okay to talk about it like that. But it's not because of you, because you were replaced last minute because of something that I set up, right? But these local acts talked to me and said, you fucked me over. That's not what you promised me. And I said, we talked three, four days ago when I found out the headliner wasn't coming. Yeah, you're coming to me because you're mad that you didn't bring people. Think about that. Think about it. You're an artist. You're a business person, Farrell. You can understand where I'm coming from. They didn't bring people. I did my job to promote the show. I said, you guys promote the show. I gave them the links. I gave them the flyers. I gave them the advertisements. I put their name on everything. And they literally didn't advertise. And I messaged them and DM them advertise. That's me trying to hold their hand, right? Like you did. Hey, you said, Mm -hmm. call these people and these vendors and we'll get going. I said, call. I said, I said, call your friends, call your family. I don't care who you're bringing, bring people, man. Like, yeah. And it's worked in the past if everybody does their job, but some people yeah. didn't do their job. And that's one thing is how do you deal with the speculation that comes with being a man, being okay. You own a brand, you're an artist, which is your own personal brand. You own a movement. You have a lot to be responsible for. And there's a lot of, 
talk around that, right? There's a lot of people who have their thoughts. How do you deal with yeah. those thoughts? Um, I always just like try to remind myself that what I'm doing is a lot doper than what everybody else is. You know what I'm saying? The type of stuff that we do, people don't have the balls to do. Um, and it takes a lot of balls, man. It takes a lot of believing in yourself. Um, uh, like you're saying, you know, and, and you just, um, uh, you realize that some people are very reliable and you realize that most people are just like kind of stupid and, um, you know, don't want to put in any work themselves. Um, but, you know, a lot of times with um, stuff that happen with Soda Gang, I can get caught up in, you know, certain moments when you have so much to deal with, you're you can sometimes come off like an asshole or something like that yeah. without intentionally meaning to just because you're literally dealing with so much um, and you can only do so much with your mind. Um, you know, I can have a habit sometimes if my mind is like really focused on something, somebody will talk to me. I'll like, I'll just like say like some random thing. I won't even know I'm saying something, Bobby, like, oh yeah, or something, you know, and that's like a trait, just having a busy mind. And when you run things like soda gang and, and there's a lot of people who, uh, uh, things don't go their way. They can start talking and stuff like that. Like, um, some, there were a couple of people who got like really mad at the beach party because, um, somebody had decided to like randomly start having people that were there do like some songs and a couple of them these rappers that really wanted to get on stage didn't get to and i remember they were came up to me crying after the uh <laughs> after the beach party you know so why didn't i get to do all this stuff and it's like listen man a lot of these things are out of out of my control um people in our positions man as operators you you know you got to deal with a million different things in one so your attention can only be in that place so like understanding that i'm only a human and um not only am I this operator in front of Soda Gang and artist, I'm I'm just a person. Like I deal with mental health stuff as well. I deal with my own, you know, sure. demons. I also need like sometimes time to think and time to process things. And um, if I let the way that some people can perceive me um, hurt how I perceive myself, yeah. then it's gonna slow me down. I think I think well I, I agree with that like there's a lot of like mental health that comes with it obviously because it's a very strenuous role to be in I've realized as mm -hmm. well but one thing is when people come on the attack like that when people start accusing me when people start blaming me um I just straight up to their face I have said this to artists not tell this to everybody else I'll hold you accountable as you are holding me accountable right now you're holding me accountable because you're telling me your your uh your basically your your issues you have with what we were doing I understand thank you for letting me know and I'll take that feedback and I'll grow from that however respectfully can I give you some feedback as the artist then and they always say what feedback you have for me then it's like okay yeah I'll give you feedback you didn't promote the show you didn't sell all your tickets I gave you all the money yeah but I can see when people hand in the tickets bro I can literally see I allocate numbers to artists so ticket numbers so I know those ticket numbers well who actually came yeah a lot of the times listen to this and everybody on the podcast if you're a local artists listen right now when you do a show and you bring five people and you lie to my face and say you bring 20 and you sold all your tickets but your stubs i keep every stub i keep every stub that people give me in a 500 person venue and i sort through it because i hold everyone accountable think about that and then i say oh i call you on your bullshit hey kevin you fucked up nah you fucked up you brought five people out of 20 people think about that yeah, so I go, on the, I go on the attack bro i i don't ever say because again i appreciate you for saying like yeah like you know this is who i am things are out of my control that's kind of playing defense and i fuck with that because you kind of have to say yeah things are out of your control to bring people a different perspective but if they still got problems i say okay i go on the attack and i just say okay 
you know what? You want to know you might, I got my issues. You want to know yours? Cause I'll, I'll lay them out for you. So I think I laid out, I laid out three core values for miles in his company. And I live to him to this day, because again, I remember me and him laid them out and I put them on the whiteboard myself, empowerment, transparency and clarity and i know these like the back of my hand because i help create them i will always empower the artist with whatever business i'm in i will always make sure they feel empowered to do their thing and to chase their dream okay just like soda gang that's why i love it Mm -hmm. it's very much empowering yourself and empowering the artist and empowering the patrons transparency always have transparency with your business always show people what you're doing if they have any questions i i show them my personal numbers my revenue my profits my my losses everything and clarity if they got any question hey man what do i do do i bring a usb hey man where's the venue like hey like anything like what do you do when 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 we're done on the show can i go see the artist i i gotta be clear with what they can and can't do and what i can and can't do set expectations with that clarity so I like talking about that and I really wanted to highlight that with you and I'm glad we got to talk about it because it's just so frustrating when yeah. I need to develop happening. I need to develop more of the you know that mindset I've been I've been thinking about that lately recently too is I, I recently realized how much of an empath I am and trying to get more in that business mind of like just being okay with like giving people this feedback um, cause yeah. I was, I was having this conversation yesterday. I was like, yeah, man. Like, you know, sometimes it's like, I'm too much of an empath. Like I I've been doing music so long that, uh, so many people play me their music and send me their stuff. And I, in my head, I know all the critiques that I'm thinking. I'm like, oh man, you know, this stuff, but I'm like always so concerned about like how the person is going to feel afterwards. And I need to disassociate myself with that because yeah. in the end I end up, um, like you said, being more of uh, on the defense or being, um, uh, less honest with somebody because I'm worried about how they're going to feel. But at the end of it, honestly, man, for me, all anybody ever did was like, give me the hard truth, no matter what it mm-hmm. was. And, um, that's how I was able to, you know, I, now I can handle criticism very easily and I can handle those conversations. Um, so just learning for myself, even to adapt to that type of mindset, to being able to like, just put people in their place. Cause most people that have issues with these types of things, it's honestly their problem and not mine yeah. and it's their fault. Um, a lot of people make their own issues much bigger. And a lot of people think like when I've told artists that they think you're playing the blame game, like, oh, you're blaming me now. You can't hold accountability. And it's like, well, you both got to hold each other accountable. Like, and that's when I just tell them, look, I hold my account myself accountable in this way. I think you should hold your account yourself accountable in the same. If you can't do that, then we're not on the same wavelength or mindset. You can have a good day. Like take that energy elsewhere. Cause I also believe in like, I made a lot of big decisions in my life recently. Like I told you, I like moved in with my girlfriend. All of a sudden now we're getting a house and bro, we wanna know how long we've been dating for? One month. Oh shit. I'm dead ass. And I don't care right. because like, that's the thing. Like I'm not making dumb decisions because right now I moved in with her because we click and we believe we're soulmates. That's the gut feeling, right? In music, you, you do and you move and you make, you operate based off a gut mm-hmm. feeling. If you think about it too much, what happens? kind of shit crumbles right yeah. i mean like you just can't let in music it's all about gut feelings and i'll be honest man like you said when you spoke on the idiocy and the, the level of intelligence in this industry sometimes business owners art, artists they're not, it's not that high i'm we're not geniuses here man but we're educated and we do understand that it doesn't take much other than you know a lot of passion a lot of drive to succeed and a lot of good gut feelings Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask you, what's your gut taking you, man? What's next for Pharaoh? Where's that gut going? 
It's the music, man. Um, it's definitely the music. Uh, I always revert back to it after I, I, I've, I start to deal with any mental losses or any, um, you know, after Aki, it's just like, okay, like uh, the most important thing to, to me at the end of all of this outside of Soda Gang, outside of the events for everything is always the music. The music is where it starts. It's, you know, my true love and it's what I, I love doing. So um, I'm just spending time working um, in the studio and trying to figure out ways to articulate a lot of the thoughts based on the summer. Um, you know, I've had some relationship stuff go a little bit sour. So I've got a lot of that type of motion in me as well. Um, and um, it's just a type of energy that lives inside of me that I'm trying to figure out how to um, turn into sonics. Mm -hmm. um, so doing that, as well as just trying to collaborate a lot more with artists, especially like female singers. I've been really on that vibe lately. Um, and um, yeah, man, I mean, just in you know, trying to like deal with my mental health too. Like that's been my gut feeling, taking care of myself so I can be at 100. You know, yesterday we uh, we we hiked a mountain and took some shrooms and that was a life life changing experience, man. Yeah. You know, so so being able to just take moments like that to myself, it allows me to come back um, and work harder. Oh, another thing too, a uh, big thing is we're going to be throwing two different Halloween events. So one of them is going to be at a warehouse. The other one will be at a mansion. Um, and we're going to be announcing all those details for that soon. That's dope. Um, so those will be some really awesome events. Uh, I love kind of like the whole Halloween vibe. And I feel like that's a smaller event where we can do it in a very safe manner for people um, and, and allow them to come out and have some type of dope Halloween experience. And that's dope. Because again, that that's that's what I love about Soda Gang. That's what I've seen. Like I, overall, I've had my criticisms, but like I've been, I'm just being real. But like overall, yeah. man, like y'all throw fucking dope experiences and, and you make nothing out of something. When I saw a hideaway studio that I used to record in become a, a party, become a good vibe, yeah. become positivity. And then also a live show experience. Yeah. I know you have it in you to do something like that, especially in the time where people need it. Um, so, yeah. so good on you. And I'm excited for that. And I'm, I'm glad I actually you touched on the shrooms thing. Cause I've been, I've been thinking about it. My girl microdoses on them all the time. And I'm like, oh, and I'm, I'm just like how, like, I don't, I've never taken them. And everyone tells me it's going to bring me this sense of enlightenment. Um, and I, I'm, I'm waiting for it, but I want to ask you, was that like your first time? Uh, yeah. So I did a lot of studying on it. Like if you would have asked me like a few months ago, if I was ever going to like try shrooms, I would have told you, no, it's, it's going to fuck with my anxiety too much. And then That's um, what I, thought. I like, I did some uh, studying on them and um, just realized like a lot of the uh, effects, I wouldn't ever do something like acid um, because it's an unnatural thing, but the, uh, um, uh, 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 psilocybin or whatever. Yeah. The psilocybin. Yep. Yep. That, that is, um, really fucking interesting and so i got some shrooms like a couple weeks ago i this was my third time in the past three weeks doing them i probably won't do them for a long time after this but um the first one um was just a like kind of like to enter in and feel it a little bit first time i uh, was with my cousin at my apartment and we just like listened to Jimi hendrix and i did the mute you you it's like basically like all the background of life because you're always kind of like in alert mode it all comes forward i did um I did another uh, trip, I think the day after, which I shouldn't have done. And that was a bad trip. Yeah. That one, that one really kind of took a lot of that. And it was right around when like some things were going pretty sour with my lady and the day after we had had a hard talk. So a lot of these feelings that were billowing up inside me like came full force. But in retrospect, as hard as it was for me to deal with and as, as negative as the emotions were, they were feelings that I needed to come face to face with. Yeah. And, um, then, right. We, we, we came out here into Colorado, went into the Rockies yesterday 
And um, that was a transcendent experience um, because nature is really what you have to be around in those, in that yeah. moment, uh, daytime in nature. Um, and so we, we probably hiked up the mountain for like four hours and um, just tripping, I mean, absolute balls. And it was like, you start feeling like you're in the heavens, man. I mean, it was, I'd never experienced mountains either in my life. So like uh, on one hand, my brain is just going crazy because I've, I've never had this type of sensory before. Like right. these true. Ah, shit. We lost them. Hold on people. Sorry. I think I lost you. We're back now. We yeah. We back. All right, cool. So mountains, um, mountains you were in the yeah. sensory. Yeah, man. You feel like you're in the heavens, bro. And in that moment, so much came to me. Um, I took some videos of it as well. One of them is, you know, when you're dealing with anxiety and you're in a place like that, I mean, there's this culture as well amongst hikers where everybody just feeds each other as like we would be walking up. You just see people walking out. Everybody's got this positive energy because nobody's like, nobody's better than each other. Nobody has more money. You're just trying to make it up a mountain. Man. Yeah. You're like, everybody's like, have a great hike. How you doing? Good. Pass each other. You know, everybody's like in their own like mental zone. And um, once you get up there, man, it's like, there's no room for any negativity. Um, And it's so humbling to feel like you're just a witness of all the the beauty that it lies within um, uh, God's creations. And so, um, you know, we got to the top of this mountain and it was like on all sides, you could just see mountains everywhere. And um, it was, I don't know, I can't even begin to explain it. Like I, and, <laughs> and, and I, I just kept thinking that words and pictures will never do justice yeah. and nobody will ever be able to understand the feeling of it. And then we, um, at a point where we just uh started to like um we'll start our trek hike back down and it was like as we went up like we were peeking in the shrooms and then as we went down the shrooms kind of went away so by the time we got back to the car they were they were gone and we were you know kind of able to go back to reality man i've i've really been curious i've been told by many people many 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 people bro like at least 15 20 people yeah of all ages, like my mom, my people, like my brother, my people, like my friends, they're all like, you got to do it. Like, and the reason why is just because, like you said, it depends on the mindset you're in, but it will bring you that sense of enlightenment and it will change your eye, your, your life. It kind of opens that third yeah. eye is what I've been told. And mm -hmm. after you talking about it, it's interesting because like, obviously I can see a little bit of a change, right? And that's what, that's kind of what I want. I want a change. So I, I'm, I'm curious because it's it's literally right down here in this house so i'm just like should i do it yeah. and and then yeah. my, like honestly like would you recommend to those who are like feel like they're kind of stuck and stagnant yeah yeah man i mean i mean and 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 my mind is you know been in a pretty bad place lately to where like you know i spent a lot of my time when, when i was back in the cities um um feeling fighting midday panic attacks um i i just an overwhelming um, sense of anxiety living within me all of the time. Um, uh, I'm, I just realized there was a lot of self-love I needed to find and a lot of individuality within myself I needed to accept. And that's the thing about shrooms too is so like I did with my best friend when you do them, you don't, when you smoke people, it's almost like you're like, you feel like close, like we're all smoking weed together, you know, shrooms, it's a very individual feeling where like he would be hiking and doing his thing. And I would like purposely like, I would just like start running at some point and like go and like just like look at like all of the trees in my own world and stuff. And you're thinking like in your own head, you're processing like whatever it is you need to be thinking about, like you're going through it. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was up there, it was like just that a complete switch and feeling where 
I'm going from the mindset of always trying to just like find something to occupy my day and not feel so depressed to I feel grateful to be alive, to yeah. experience that moment. And so much of what I stress about, so much of the hustle and bustle, so much of all these things that cause us stress um, are are not necessary. And um, there is so much more beauty to the world and nature and the universe and stuff. And like, I don't know, it was a very okay feeling, but you definitely like, like you could never have sex on shrooms yeah. because it's like, you just feel so individual. It's, it's weird. It's like, you can't stop just like experiencing it in your own way. So, I mean, for anybody dealing with like that, a lot of these problems in your mind and things that, you know, may even come out on the shrooms that you don't want to deal with certain thoughts that may have just not surfaced. It's important to deal with them um, because the thing that I learned about the shrooms is that it, it, it it's there to bring you clarity. Um, it's, it's a therapy in itself. Uh, and to work through those types of things, um, you know, you just sometimes like you have to open your third eye. You, you realize a lot more about the world, even just the way music feels. Um, I was listening to Jimi Hendrix on it and you don't really hear the music. You just like feel it. And I would just start like crying, like happy cry. It would just, I don't even know how it happened. It was just the way it was feeling with just, yeah. So I've heard, I've heard a lot of stuff like that, man. I've heard a lot of stuff like that. Like my, like for, for, it depends on what you love and what your passions is. And I think that like, like you said, it just surfaces either pain or good feelings that just need to come out and need to be addressed. And that's what my girl does. She takes shrooms and like goes in the river and she, cause she loves water and she's her job though is a nature educator. So like, it oh, shit, makes sense right like yeah. she educates children on 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 nature and then goes out and will microdose off work and be like okay i'm gonna go in the river and just lay there for like seven to eight hours and like mm-hmm. my, like my buddy gage he loves playing the guitar because he's like i love guitar so he he like cries profusely when he touches his guitar because he feels that energy and for me yeah. i don't know what that's gonna be but I'm definitely I'm, I'm gonna make a podcast episode about this because like I definitely want to do it. Um, but like like I said, I'm glad that you ta- touched on anxiety there because for me, I was like, okay, it's gonna kill my anxiety. Like, and when people just let everyone know, man, if you don't have anxiety, panic attacks are top three worst things I've ever been through, and I've been through some hell. And like yeah. panic attacks, you literally feel like you're drowning, you're dying. It's different for everybody, but like mm-hmm. that feeling you never want to experience, you want to suppress it as much as you can. Um, yeah. And that's why I found ways to suppress it. And like right after this podcast, dude, I'm going to go get CBD dabs to suppress it even yeah. harder. But I think that what I need to do is deal with those emotions and maybe, maybe shrooms could help that. Okay. And it hurts and it hurts, man. I mean, I'm going through a big spiritual cleansing. Um, August just kind of kicked that into gear with just the way life went for me. And so, you know, it, it it's um the spiritual cleansing is weird, man. You know, when you just start to let yourself like deal with a lot of these things you don't want to deal with in these thoughts, it makes you stronger though at the end of it. So, you know, whatever you're going to do, man, I know, I know you're going to, whatever your version of crying and playing the guitar is, it's going to be, it's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I, again, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. We, we showed off of music, but fuck it. It was a good conversation. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah, it. Man. Anything you want to say to the people before you go? Um, I just want to say, uh, you know, uh, be a, be an operator. Look at this. Look at this podcast and understand that um, 
a lot of our secrets, we're not talking about some secret society giving us all this information. It has to do with um, saying you're going to do something and figuring out a way to do it. Whether you know how to do it or not, there's always a way. You know, it's kind of like a video game, right? They don't give you the exact directions on how to play the video. You got to explore a little bit and figure sure. it out. So yeah. in life, just apply that stuff to everything you're doing and um, uh, go after new goals. Because if you sit home stagnant, doesn't matter if you're talented or not, you're not going to end up anywhere. I fuck with that. You have a good day, brother. I appreciate you being on. Appreciate you, man. Well, love. You have a good one, man. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, everybody, for all the love you've been showing to Kev's perspective. I hope you guys pick up the gems that are being dropped in these conversations. Please go subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Kev's Perspective. Again, don't forget that comma. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review on the very bottom. I'd love to hear your feedback. And for any kind of guests you want to hear on the podcast, go follow me on Instagram. It's at Kev's Perspective Podcast. Again, it's at Kev's Perspective Podcast. Thank you for listening and keep supporting. Cheers.